Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the 1871 podcast again and I'm absolutely delighted to say that we have a very special guest with us tonight, former Royals defender and Reading legend Eva Ingemarsson. So Eva, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for uh, having me with you guys. Great to have you with us and and you you joined uh, Reading in 2003 I think it was and and you went on to make uh, 282 appearances and you scored 12 goals. Can you take us, uh, take us back to, to when it all started, when you first joined Reading? Can you remember how that came about, how, how the chance to come to Reading came about, first of all? Yeah, I do. Obviously, it, it made a big difference, in, obviously, in my career. Uh, I was at uh, uh, Wolverhampton or, or with a contract with Wolverhampton Wolves at the time. Uh, I had been on loan from them to Brighton uh, and then obviously meeting up with Steve Coppel who was the manager there uh, uh, if I go a little bit further back then obviously I signed my first professional club was with Brentford and, and he managed that club uh, the last uh, season I had there of uh, about three of those so when I came to Reading I was more or less uh, joining a manager that I knew and uh, so that was obviously a massive influence in that. Uh, I obviously knew about Reading and the success they had had under Alan Patru. We played against Reading uh, when I was with Brentford and Reading went obviously uh, uh, forward and went promoted. Uh, yeah, so when I heard the interest, uh, I was in a position where I wanted to move on. I wanted to go and play somewhere. I was not in a good position where I was at Wolf. I was basically frozen out more or less in a... But in a good team there. Uh, so when the when the opportunity came, uh, I went down there, had a look, I saw a fantastic stadium and a, a massive potential. And then a manager that uh, believed in me and wanted to me to to join. So it was a it was a very easy option. Uh, and you, you mentioned Brentford, and, and you played for Brentford in in two thousand and two uh, when Reading got a draw on the last day of the season. You played in that game. So Reading, Reading got promotion. Brentford missed out. Um, obviously, a fantastic day for Reading fans, but that must have been a tough one to take for for you and and for the for the other players at Brentford. Yeah, absolutely. But you learn from everything, and uh, when you're on the pitch and you see a team uh, celebrating and and uh, having such a great feeling of a promotion, uh, even if it hurts, but that also uh, teaches you that this is the feeling that you want to get. And I remember we also had that later in our career with the Red Thing, I think when Wickham got promoted. 
and uh, it stays with you. And uh, I think it just made us uh, or made me and, and probably many of my teammate, team, teammates better. And this was something to strive for. So uh, even if it was hurtful, hurtful I, I, I think it definitely helped us out uh, in the long run. And, and you came to Reading and, of course, you were part of that, you know, famous and magnificent 106 season, breaking the record. Just such a fantastic season. And, and for many Reading fans, the, the greatest season ever. Obviously, you know, you went on and did very well in the, in the Premier League. But what do you remember about that 106 season and what was it about it? What, you know, why were you such a good team? One of the first things that comes up is obviously that we lost the first game of the season, <laughs> uh, which was a strange start. Uh, but it was just a feeling that uh, after that, uh, uh, I think it was Brighton we won in the second game. Uh, it was just a feeling that we couldn't lose, that, uh, that you went on the pits all the time and you thought whether we, uh, even if we got gold down or whatever, uh, there was this feeling around the team that, but we were going to win. We were always going to get results. And it's a great feeling to have uh, in a team. Uh, and, you, uh, and, and that was more or less the feeling all around. Whether you came to the training ground, traveling to the games, you just always sensed that you were going to get results. And we were a good team. Uh, good players, very well drilled together. And uh, I think we were uh, all equal to prove ourselves. Uh, and uh, obviously the manager just uh, and, and his coaching staff, uh, you know, got it right, uh, along obviously with, uh, with the people who were at control at the club. Uh, they managed to get uh, the atmosphere, the players, the whole set of, and also the, the people around the players are important to create some sort of a environment to, uh, I don't know, to uh, make it possible to succeed. So everything just fell into, into a place. But obviously, it took a while. It is not like it just happened that season. It was a hard work uh, before that that then created that success. But it was just this feeling. The, the main thing is, uh, and you get this with team who win, win uh, almost every game. It's just, it doesn't matter really what happens. We were going we to win. And even when we lost against Luton, it was not the uh, end of the world. You felt, okay, we are going to go and we will, we will go on and, and on a good uh, streak, winning streak again. And then the following season, for, for me, you know, e- even better than, than that fantastic season, if that's possible. But for, for me, it, it was, um, you know, fantastic first season in, in the Premier League. Did that exceed all expectations for you? I think it has to do so because obviously you want to play at as high standard as possible. And when you succeed then at that place, then, then uh, that is something special also. But also, uh, when I think about it, I remember all the specialists on, uh, on TV and news and everything saying we were not good enough. And the Redding had to play, I don't know, 10, 15, even 20 players, I heard. And uh, it was nice to prove that wrong. Uh, and also brave, I would say, from the club and, and again, the manager and the, and the staff to, you know, uh, stick with the core of the players that went off. Many would have uh, gone and bought a lot of players. Obviously, we added great, uh, very good players to the squad which uh, made it stronger. But the core was there. And I think everybody also wants to repay that faith uh, and also just to show that, uh, that we could do it. 
Uh, and uh, yeah, so I, I would always have to say, even if the uh, <laughs> 106 season was brilliant, uh, this was still a little bit above that. Uh, and Johnny, um, do you want to, to come in now and um, ask a couple of questions? Uh, don't I ever. <laughs> I ever. I, where, do I, where do I start? Um, as, uh, when you were playing for us, that team was, yeah, everything about it was just amazing. But as a defence, like our defence this season, we've letting, I think, most goals in the Championship. What makes a good defence? Like, you had yourself... Sulks, Mertz, Shaw, and Marcus. But as as a player, like, how do you work on that to make a unit work so well? And um, like you said about time earlier, but not so Steve. But... I think defense is a, a lot about trust, also, and to knowing that the the person next to you is is gonna help you out when you when you make yeah. a mistake, and vice versa. And if you get that trust, that helps a lot. Obviously, behind it were endless drills of uh, coordinating the movement up and down, moving, moving with the, uh, when the ball moves away from the goal, the whole line moves away, and it has to stay in a good line. And you have to know everybody is on the on the the same sheet, as you can say, that nobody's staying behind and things like that. And that was endless hours of drilling. And we had Wally Downs, obviously, Coppel got him to come to uh, Redding at the time. Yeah, and we did hours <laughs> of drilling, obviously. Uh, but most teams do that. Most teams always do that, and it doesn't always work. Uh, I think uh, in the personnel, we we got on, we respected each other, uh, we were able to criticize each other without stepping too far. So we kept each of one of us on on our toes. We always had meetings where we where we spoke about the games, and if uh, even if we won, lost, or draw, then we went over what, what went well and, and what could have been better and so on. And we could be very frank. Often there were heated words. And I do remember <laughs> one or two times somebody leaving the meeting, but they always came back in. And yeah. I think that made us, made us better. Uh, and it's also about combination. I, uh, I, I'm, I'm a believer of that. It's not always the, I don't know, it's not always the best players that makes the best defense, if you know what I mean. Uh, yeah. There has to be a chemistry, there has to be a trust and things like that. And uh, and I think, for example, in my case, regarding centre-half-wise, I think just uh, me and Sonko clicked very well. When I met him, uh, we got along very well. Uh, and I think we, uh, we supplemented each other quite well. You know, he had his strength, I had my strength. And con- con- together, we, we knew how they were there and we played... Uh, to the maximum of, of uh, those strengths of, the, of each other. And then obviously wow. with good players in the defence, you have to remember most of the players were internationals also. You know, Shiori yeah. got a game for England and uh, yeah, just imagine how well he was playing. Um, when you went up to the Premier League, were you surprised or not surprised by how easy, well, for us fans, it looked quite easy how you transitioned into that league? But for playing, you know, was it a big difference? You know, championship or was it, you know, the, the 46 games going into that different level? Were you taken back by how easy it sort of fitted in for you guys? Or It may have looked easy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It didn't feel easy. Uh, yeah. 
I would say my surprise was a little bit this. Like uh, uh, the, the league we were in, where you play 46 games of a high tempo, there is never a moment of rest. Physically, it is uh, exceptionally mm. hard. I would say in the Premier League, at least at that time, there were periods where there was not so much pressure on you as a defender because the team played more slowly. There was more slow build up of them. But then there are these periods where the pace is really quick. And if you make a mistake, then you are punished for it. So I would say the level of concentration had to be much higher. You just couldn't yeah. make the same mistake as you did there. But physically, in a way, it was... Uh, well, I, at least I felt it was a little bit easier. Um, but then also said that, uh, I think all of us who went to the Premier League uh, prepared even better than we had ever before. So I, I know for myself that I, I never trained as hard. I went through the whole summer uh, through difficult physical training just to make sure I was as fit as possible. Because I knew that, that if, <laughs> if it was not going to start well, uh, then it was very easy to get replaced. And how big was that first game, that Middlesbrough game? You know, we were 2-0 down. As players, like, what are you thinking? What's going, like, oh, this isn't good. <laughs> or do you just go, you put it, you park it and you go, we're going, we keep going. How that mindset piece? I, I think you cannot really hide from it. Obviously, you know when you are down and you're on the big stage and it didn't, it didn't start very well. But I think we probably managed to build on what from what we have had in the previous season, that this belief that we could that we could get a result. And I think this game was a major importance for us of how the season actually went. Because uh, even if you believe you can play, there is always this doubt. You know, you yeah. have a doubt, the fans have a doubt, the manager has a doubt. And that doubt only disappears when you get results. And for us then to come back into it, it could have, it could have gone the other way. <laughs> You know, if uh, if you had uh, lost your like uh, lost it mentally or your mental strength, and and you started to doubt yourself for too long, but it didn't happen. We 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 were a strong team, and we there was a togetherness, and we managed to pull back. And soon as we got the goal from Kitchen, we just moved on, and you could sense that uh, we could do this. And then, yeah. obviously, ending winning the game, it was a massive importance for us for the for the rest of the season. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think the whole atmosphere, isn't it? The fans behind the players, it just it takes the to another level. And that's so yeah, huge, isn't it? It is. And, uh, well, I, I cannot remember uh, all the moments in the game. And I cannot really remember, like, it was not like we were booed or anything when we went down. You rather sensed the, the, the gatherness and, and people wanting us to uh, do well. And also the way I think we responded then got people um, excited again. And uh, yeah. it ended up as a hell of a game and uh, very good for us. You know, we, we scored three goals. Our, our strikers, I think it was Kitson, Lita and Sitwell. But then you certainly, all of them know they can score in the Premier League. Uh, we know that we can go and get three points. We know even if we go down, we can still go and win the game. So we learned a lot from, from that game. So, Eva, um, back... Take us back to when you were playing in Iceland, when you started out. Did you know much about Reading back then? And, you know, was it always your dream to play in the Premier League? 
Uh, to answer the first question, no, I didn't. I did not know about Reading <laughs> at the time. I think uh, when I was young, um, I think there was one game a week or something in Icelandic TV. It was always English football. It wasn't. I don't think it was even live. Uh, I was a Liverpool fan, uh, so that was more or less uh, what I knew about English football as such. Uh, did I uh, grow up wanting to be a professional? No. That was not the case. That happened maybe when I became 16 or so and starting to play for the Iceland international teams. When you start to play with players who were signed off with clubs and you thought, okay, I have a chance. I think I can have a chance. But then it took me another six years or so to become a professional. So it was not like easy. Uh, my ambition as a kid, uh, I loved football and the enjoyment was to get better. Uh, it was such a great feeling when you practice and you got better and you played something, you did something on the pitch that worked. That was the enjoyment for me, much more than uh, trying to be a professional. That that came later. Uh, and talk about the, the players that you played against in, in the Premier League. Who, who was the, if you like, the, the toughest, the hardest player to, to play against, would you say? A lot of good players. <laughs> <laughs> and I wish I had had the chance to play them more often. <laughs> uh, but uh, I don't know. Uh, I always uh, remember, like, for example, Chelsea, when we played Chelsea and, and Drogba, because, you know, big, strong, quick or, or powerful. So it was like a, like a big aerial fight, but also on the ground. But then also, if you played players, I, I think uh, the, the name Craig Bellamy, I know... I'm, I, I, because uh, I'm not even sure you know, that, that was in the Premier League, but he was so quick. So obviously, lightning quick players were also difficult. Uh, but then I would say Drogba, just because that pops out of a mind straight away, and, and their games were really uh, you know, tough games. Uh, but obviously, the team that uh, I would say destroyed us in a way uh, at that time was Arsenal, the uh, Arsene Wenger's team. And I, there was not a particular player as such. They were just also good uh, with uh, short passes and and our uh, the way we tried to keep uh, offensive or, or offside line. It just it just didn't work. They were too good. So uh, I would say them as a team were were the hardest. And, and do you... they were the only team? Weren't they? Sorry, Sorry, Mark. I was just saying that they were the only team really Reading struggled against, didn't they? Everyone else you gave a good game against in that period. Yeah, they were uh, they were like a different different league in the way they played football. Obviously, more yeah. more people obviously picked that up. But the way they passed, short passes, movement—you didn't really know who was the striker sometimes at the time, and they switched places and all stuff. It was just it was hard. Levar, <laughs> <laughs> Look, looking back, do you is there a game that particularly stands out? For you, obviously, you got to play against Liverpool, the, the side that you supported. But is there a game where you look back and you think, you know, that was my favourite game. I, I had a, you know, I had a particularly good good game or I enjoyed it. Or, you know, what are some of the key games that, that stand out for you during your time at Reading? I would obviously, as you mentioned, just to, to play against the team that you supported since you were a kid was a special thing. And to go on to Anfield and, and both play them in the league and play them in the cup and also win them in the cup was more <laughs> importantly for me. That was, that was for me, was something special. But 
I think the most important game and the game that always comes in my mind if I think about it was the first game against Middlesbrough. And because of all the reasons that, uh, uh, that we talked about earlier on, had that game uh, possibly gone badly, the season could have been different. Because, you know, let's face it, uh, sports people are infected by how their, uh, I don't know, mental state or how their uh, you know, attitude is. And it could have been <laughs> very damaging if that game had gone, if they had kept on scoring goals like uh, what they started doing. So... Uh, to be able to turn that around and have that belief so set us up for the season. So uh, that is that is the game that uh, at least I appreciate uh, the most, I think, out of all of them. And you scored you scored quite a few goals. I think it was 12 goals altogether during your time at Reading. Have you got a favourite? <laughs> no, I don't think I have. Uh, uh, I don't think I have, actually. I, I, I can't. Probably respect to speak to Blakey or someone. He will remember every goal and every pass he has made. Uh, <laughs> I'm not really there, uh, but it is it is nice for defenders most because most of the time in in, in the red thing I played played as a defense. So uh, if you managed to score from a set pieces and stuff like that, it was it was obviously nice to do. Uh, I know uh, I'm just probably thinking about the game against Manchester City. I think uh, I got a cross there and managed to score. That was obviously a bit special when you're scoring, I think, your first goal in the Premier League. One of two, I think, only. Uh, so, yeah, that's probably what pops out. And, and you what already mentioned, you, you mentioned Wally Downs. Um, I, I think you described Wally Downs as a character. What was, what was he like to work with? Obviously, you said you worked really hard, but what was he like as, as a person? How did he, you know, how did he sort of um, instill what you needed as, as a player because he, he just had that really big personality, didn't he? Absolutely. And and if you think of the, the boss, Steve Coppel, Kevin Dillon and then Volga, they were all different. And I think that was also the strength. Obviously, in some cases, it just wouldn't work out, but uh, it worked out for them. So they all brought something different to the table. Uh, and I think uh, they managed to respect each other's opinion. Obviously, the boss controlled it, but it was always something that uh, each of them could bring to the, t- the table. I think. Uh, Volley uh, just knows football very well. He is a football person. I think uh, he, he eats, sleeps football. Um, obviously, comes from the, the crazy gang. You know, I knew that, uh, but... Uh, I thought his, like the way he thought about defense, how he practiced the, the, the defense, how he drilled it was very good and how he managed to communicate it. Often it wasn't always the funniest sessions, but he managed to get us through it and, and uh, get us to do the job. So I was impressed by, by the way he did that. Uh, I'm sure for some people who knew him at the time, he, he, he was the guy from the crazy gang and all that stuff. But he was very, he worked hard and was very dedicated on what he did. Obviously, defense can be done in different ways than we did, but it was definitely a, a way that worked. And, uh, and credit to him, he, he was a big part of that. And do you think with, with the players and with, with Wally as well, I mean, we, you know, I think back to that, that famous game with Neil Warnock, Sheffield United, uh, Wally got sent off, Neil Warnock got sent off. But we, we were talking about it, I was talking about it to Johnny. Um, it just kind of typified the fight in that team. You know, how important was not just the 
the fact that you had a good team, you had good players, but how much of a factor in, in the 106 season and the first season in the Premier League was was the fight that the players put in? Yeah, I think it was mixture of mix, uh, the mixture that was right. Absolutely. You need to have all those sorts of things. You need to have players that can fight. You need to have people that uh, can show, in a way, motion, but controlled motion. And obviously, games against Sheffield United were high-tensive games. You know, they were the, you know, the second-best team or so uh, and had been our big competitors as such. Uh, yeah, you have to have players. You cannot just have players who, uh, I don't know, don't show emotions or don't get excited. Uh, and I think we had that mixture. And it was good in a way. If you, if you think of, and that's what I mean with the with stuff. You know, I don't think Steve Goffel ever really raised his voice. He didn't need to. Because you knew if you, if you were not uh, doing what he expected you to do, then you would leave that. So he didn't have to do that. So it was good for him to also have a person like Wally who could then raise his voice and, and go crazy without, sometimes without a reason almost. Uh, but then I also think it was also part of the play. I, I, I think the, the best manager and coaches often just do it in a controlled way. You think they are actually losing it or crazy, but often they are, I think, doing it because of a reason. They want to make, uh, they want to affect the situations or something. Uh, maybe Wally went a little bit too far if he, when he was sent <laughs> off, but, you know, it made the point. You know, we cared, we were there, we were ready to stand off and fight if needed. Uh, but more importantly, I think we were just ready to play football, stick to what we knew and uh, believe in the system and, and the way we did things. Johnny, do you want to yeah. jump in again? yeah. I was going to say on the downside of it, the, the second season in the Premier League, I hate to bring it up, but what changed, do you think, as a player? I know we lost Sidders, you know, that was a huge loss, wasn't it, on the playing front? But, you know, say second season syndrome and all that. But what, you know, you were there. And can you kind <laughs> of give a... <laughs> I hate to ask. Uh, yeah, no, of course, it's a big part of it. Uh, if we, well... It, when you put the things in context, we had a good first season. Uh, if, the, if the second season had been our first season, it would still probably be one of the best seasons that we <laughs> had. So we were a little bit uh, victim of our own success. And, uh, you know, it comes down to goal difference in the end. It was that close. And, you know, mm. uh, when I think of it back, uh, when I think it was Darby we were playing, and uh, Posh, uh, was it uh, Fulham, Danny Murphy or something, smallest player on the pitch who's yeah. been hatter from the, the goalkeeping spot against Herman Hreiderson, uh, Distan, the, the tallest, strongest centre-halves in the, in the league. You know, it just should not happen. But saying that, obviously, it was not all about the last game. We were just a little bit too short over the season. We, there were... Points where we lost, where we where we really needed to win, and in the end, you just get what you deserve. The different, possibly, we had a lot of players who were very successful in the first season. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were players also who had offers to leave or could leave and did leave. It does uh, upset the group of players, uh, understandably. You have the club who's maybe not willing to. Um, give them the contract they want. 
and so on yeah. and so on. So there are all sorts of things that came into the mix that uh, I think lowered the level only so much. But this is the difference. It, yeah, was, yeah. it, it was not catastrophic. It was tiny little things. And I'm sure when the manager, when the players and the fans look at it, then, then you can probably point out these small things that could have added up to that, that could have in hindsight been changed. Uh, but there were, no, there were no major things. I think it was a uh, few of those things that I mentioned that uh, probably uh, were the reason for we, we, we didn't succeed. Like I said, I never believed in the second season. I, I just, why? Well, you know, you are more experienced, you have done it before, yeah. you want to stay there. But possibly there is something in it. There is also a surprise of, um, uh, would you say, surprise element. Um, I'm sure some teams came to Reading and thought, these guys have never played in the Premiership. We're going to beat them easily. It didn't happen. So maybe they were a little bit better prepared than we were. Uh, but all in all, I think we were just, we just came a little bit too short. Yeah, yeah. And Eva, look, looking back now, um, it is, it's quite a while ago now. It doesn't seem that long ago, but it is <laughs> a few, few years. Um, looking back on, you know, coming from Iceland, coming, coming over to England, playing for, for Brentford, um, and then the fantastic time you, you had at, at Reading. How would you sort of sum up the way you feel about your time at Reading now, all these years later? My time of Reading was by the far my best time in football. In Iceland, obviously, uh, I experienced to be win the, the, the league and the cup in the 98, but that is like as an amateur. Then you come out to England and, and uh, you know, you have to prove yourself. You start, I started in third, third division and then moved off. And for me, the time at the Red Team was basically the time where I played my best football. I played very well uh, uh, the last season at Brentford. Uh, I started very well as a midfield player at uh, Wolverhampton. But my longest period where I really played consistently well and um, enjoyed team success was at Red Team. And it was also at a time where the club was being built up. We had a better training ground. We had better facilities. Uh, everything around the club became also more professional. And uh, yeah, so both personally and uh, the way the club developed, it was definitely, that was my time. And then also I, I have mentioned, you know, this is, this is the time where uh, my family grew. I had my two children at Redding. So all of it comes together, my personal and professional life, basically. Uh, and obviously you, you played plenty of times for Iceland. How, how does that, compare you know representing your your country and not just once or twice but I think you you made about 30 appearances something like that how does that compare to you know what you achieved at Reading? It is uh, it is very uh, well it's a good feeling to represent your country this is something when you start playing and become a professional you want to you want to do that Uh, sadly I would say uh, the success of the team that I was involved in uh, with my national team was not good. And I did not play my best football in the national team. And a lot of uh, my generation didn't. Uh, so I would say success changes a lot. If I had been part of the Iceland team who, who went to the, the final in Europe and final in World Cup, you know, that is something special. But 
I never uh, experienced that. So uh, uh, for me, the time at uh, time at Reading will, uh, shall we say, uh, overpass my time at uh, the national team. But the, obviously, the feeling to play for your country is special. But success is also what you are after. It uh, doesn't matter if you're playing for your national team or, or a club. And Ivar, um, what are you sort of? You've gone back to Iceland. What, what are you up to these days? Uh, when I moved back to Iceland, I moved directly to east part of Iceland, where I actually grew up till I was 16 years old. So uh, I've moved to the most remote part of Iceland. Uh, <laughs> there are about 10, 12,000 people living in east part of Iceland. So I moved there, not to my old village where I lived. Uh, when I was a kid, there are about 200 people now. But uh, I live in, in the biggest town of east Iceland with through 3,000 habitants. <laughs> uh, I went into uh, I had thought about it the, the tourist industry was growing so I went into the tourist industry uh, I have invested also in, uh, in companies in the tourist industry so that is more or less where I am now uh, I haven't uh, just these days then I'm, I'm part of uh, just recently I was voted into the board of uh, uh, Iceland Football Association. So I'm a board member of the Icelandic Football Association. So I'm involved in football in that way. And then I have my kids both playing football and, and I watch football through them. And, and then on Saturday, Sundays on TV. <laughs> well, Eva, uh, you, you said about you were, you were voted into that and uh, talking of being voted for, we've, we've uh, got our um, chat on Sunday about the greatest... Reading defender, uh, well, the greatest Reading defenders. We're picking a greatest Reading eleven from the last fifty years, and you're on the short list for that. So uh, we'll see how that on Sunday. But um, certainly, you know, one of the one of the the greatest defenders um, for for Reading o- over the years. So look, thank you ever so much for for joining us. It's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. Thank, thank you, you Ivor. Thanks for having me, and and uh, yeah. All the very best in what you're doing. Yeah. Would you ever come back to Reading? Just ask that one in some capacity. <laughs> I would come and I would come definitely come and uh, and watch a game. Uh, I <laughs> okay. think I'm on the verge of moving to Reading at not least in the near future. <laughs> right. Well, thank you so much. Uh, and for for the listeners, we have another episode tomorrow with Brighton CEO Paul Barber, and Paul will be talking to us about the key to running a successful club. And then on Friday evening, we're, we're joined by Eva's former Reading teammate, Ibrahim Asonko. So join us anytime from 6.30 tomorrow if you can. And don't forget, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at 1871podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network.